Hello everyone. Welcome to the first of our new, hopefully temporary, format. While on lockdown, I'm going to be doing movie review episodes about movies that involve magic wishes. Please suggest any movies you'd like to have us watch, and tell us if you're enjoying these. But now, we've still got some wish polls to report on. Previously, we had Everyone Remembers You and Every Interaction You've Had, but everyone also remembers one false memory of you being a bully for no reason. A lot of you would prefer to be forgot. Final score, 69% reject on Twitter, 100% reject on Facebook. Now let's get it started with the 1986 Jim Henson film, Labyrinth, with my guests Grace Smith and Chris Nairati. Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic costs. Uh, I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining me today is Grace Smith. Hello. And Chris Nairati. Hello. And this is going to be one of our movie breakdown episodes, uh, all about the film Labyrinth. Let's start with just telling everyone where our experiences lie with Labyrinth. Uh, Maybe, Chris, you can get us started. How does this, how well do you know this film? (laughs) Okay, well, I love Jim Henson in general. He is one of my uh, inspirations, I would say. I I think he's an amazing creative soul. That said, Labyrinth is one that I took a while to actually see. I didn't actually watch it until maybe after university or, or in university. Uh, I watched Dark. I watched the hell out of Dark Crystal. I watched the hell out of the Muppet Show, and Labyrinth was the one missing piece of the Jim Henson puzzle that I, just for one reason or another, never never really got to see. And by the time I did watch it, I watched it a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Over. And I was over. thinking. Yeah. It feels so much like a kids' film, like even more than some of the Muppet stuff that feels like yeah. family stuff, like it's for everyone. But this really does feel like a kids' film to me. So I'm, I'm, and by this time it it got to be cult status. I think at the, by the time I started watching it, that's when everybody was getting nostalgic for it. Right. So it was kind of a good time to pop in because then like late night cinemas were starting to play it. Uh, people would be like, hey, remember that movie with David Bowie's junk? Yeah, I do remember that movie <laughs> with David Bowie's junk. How old was- were you when you start, like when you first watched it? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> like university age would be like early 20s? Yeah, early give me a, a range. Yeah, early 20s. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't my um, uh, uh, blossoming sexual experience, <laughs> but it probably was for a good portion of people, I would imagine. Yeah, it was just you laughing at a, a, a clearly visible laughing penis. At, on, yeah, uh, laughing on at a funny junk and, and Muppets doing Muppety things. Yeah. And the Muppets yeah. being about junk height. So lots of shots of Muppets <laughs> prominently <laughs> featuring. He goes and gives a hug and it's like, that's mm-hmm. an inconvenient height for you to be, Hoggle. <laughs> yeah, Hoggle is begging for his life, but it's right at the height. Right. I mean, he's begging It's like hard. he's begging... David Bowie's no, dick yeah, to not kill yeah. him, which makes what, actual yeah. sense. It, that's what controls David Bowie. So he's going <laughs> straight the, to the source. It's his magic wand. Oh, yeah. boy. Dance, magic, dance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Grace? Uh, what is your experience with this film? I have never seen this movie before now. And for no particular reason, I didn't like avoid it or anything like that. I like a lot of other. Did you know of it? 
Yeah, I knew I knew it existed for sure. Okay. I um and I like other Muppet like I'm a big fan of the Muppets, so I'm not like avoiding Muppets. I love like Muppets <laughs> Christmas Carol is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Good. And I also nobody like here's Muppet bias. Nobody here Muppet has bias. an anti Muppet bias. I also right. like no. I do like weird movies in general. Like I'm not I'm not anti weird movie either. I just think it was one of those movies I didn't see as a kid and and just didn't seek out. In fact, before I watched it with uh, my boyfriend tonight. And he asked me before we watched it, he was like, what do you know about this movie? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And I was like, okay, I know David Bowie, David Bowie's junk, uh, (laughs) baby Jennifer Connelly, a baby is stolen, uncomfortable sexual tension. That is what I know about this. And a labyrinth is involved somehow. somehow. Yeah. And and for context, had your boyfriend watched it? So was he like watching you in anticipation of your reactions? Well, he had seen it, but not for a long time. So there was definite points where like something confusing would happen. And I would be like, wait, wait, what was that? What was, what's going to happen with that? And he's like, I do not remember. (laughs) (laughs) But we did, our, our guess was when we, cause we, um, bought it to rent off of youtube and it was like four bucks or whatever and i was like you know i don't think i'm gonna like this movie but i feel like it'll be worth four dollars uh, right right that so was my guess five to rent i could do that yeah it was either yeah. it was five for hd or four for like regular quality and i was like i'm gonna go four dollars i feel like this is probably a movie that got a lot of its money in the rental market off kids getting it rented over and over again i can just imagine being- yeah, I mean, do you want me to kind of uh, peel behind the curtain a little on on how this was perceived at the time? Yes, please. Sure, yes. please. Yes, remind so, us. So I uh, this was some I uh, I have the uh, Jim Henson uh, biography book, and it was super interesting because at this point in his career, he's done the Muppets. He's at his like all time creative high. He ended the Muppets on his own term. It was it was nobody else's call. He did a couple of Muppet movies afterwards, and then he really wanted to get into heavy heavy fantasy. That was the other thing that. Jim Henson really like he got kind of in there with uh, Fraggle Rock and and then got really in there with Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal was the even, even weirder than this movie. <laughs> Dark Crystal is way it's one of my favorite movies but I can understand people for not liking Dark Crystal. It's dense and it they invent this own world. There's no humans, it's just puppets. There's no songs other than a couple of like uh, in-universe songs that they they play, but there's no pop songs at all, like like Labyrinth at all. And Dark Crystal was a critical hit and also a financial hit, but people didn't know how to interpret it. Like a lot of people <laughs> went out to see it because they were like, uh, "This is, it has George Lucas producing it." The next big project that Jim Henson's doing post Muppet, so everyone's really curious, and it's nightmare fueling at some point. So it, I think it maybe uh, a lot of people saw it and came away thinking, um, "I don't really know what that what I just saw." <laughs> so Jim Jim took the criticism pretty um, heavily. He was a pretty sensitive guy. Um, <laughs> Oh, Jim. Um, yeah, you know, like like very hippie-ish mindset. So he's like, okay, well, what pe- what did people not like about Dark Crystal that I could do in my next fantasy movie? People really felt ice like uh, felt weird that there was no humans in there. So I'll add celebrities, I'll add humans, and I'll add I'll add songs back in because people expect songs out of me. So he did. Oh that. boy, did he add songs to? Yes, yeah, he added movie. songs. He added, you know, David Bowie, the big celebrity. I think it was his daughter's choice for celebrity. Um, (laughs) And this was the first flop, the only flop, I think, in Jim Henson's whole career. 
it didn't do well critics wise and it did not make back its money and jim henson was crushed because of this it took him a Mm. long time to kind of get out of this stupor and kind of like he he felt really crushed because he's like i thought i corrected all of my problems that i had with my last movie and this one did even worse so i just don't know what to do now oh i feel so bad for jim henson now he was just like i made this for you do you like it and everyone was (laughs) like no i wish that he'd lived long enough to see how much this prevailed as a cult classic because i think it only grew with people over time um it's definitely more popular now than it was when it came out I, i think i understand what happened though because at the same time it feels like something that like what happens when someone takes the word of notes without taking the meaning of notes, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like there's a lot of good things in this film, but they don't quite fit or gel, right? They don't quite coalesce. Yeah. It's just a bunch of cool moments that kind of like happen it, in it order. It's kind of Alice in Wonderlandy, where it's like scene by scene. But if you look at it uh, as a whole, it's like, what, what is this? <laughs> what, what, I, what do I like yeah. it, but together it's, it's what is going like on? my feeling is that um i i'm feeling very conflicted right now hearing all that information because on one hand i love jim henson i want him to have had every every wish granted in the world nothing but happiness on the other hand i i definitely kind of agree with the people who didn't like it i didn't really like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt yeah. like you know what I felt like watching it is um you know that kind of a, a storytelling rule or like script writing rule about how um each action should be able to follow the next with a because or therefore instead like mm-hmm. this happens and because of that this happens and because of that this happens mm-hmm. whereas kids tell stories like and then and then and then and nothing it felt this movie felt like the and then movie. <laughs> Yes, I agree entirely. Like, there's a big monster, and then there's a bug, and then there's a dog, and then there's a fight. Uh, Just to backtrack a little, I think this will actually inform this moment. So uh, my experience with this film, I'm not sure, because rewatching it, moments seemed familiar, and then moments didn't seem familiar at all. Were you high or sick when you saw this no i think this is something that i've seen like i think people kept on putting it on and having me sit down to watch a little bits of it when oh, i was a kid yeah. okay but i never sat through it in its entirety because it's so disjointed like you mentioned it does have that effect on you where you're like i don't quite remember what went on yeah i can yeah. totally see the pl- like the the main plot and the arcs like not sticking in your brain yeah, so maybe I I saw it once as a little kid, or maybe I saw pieces of it a bunch of times throughout my life, but never. This was the first time I'd sat down and watched it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Either are possible, and I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> That's that feels it's it's Schrodinger's movie, right? Yeah, I'd say the one thing that definitely stood out to me is like I probably haven't seen this part. Was the beginnings felt so rushed Very into rushed. it? Really clips along that first. <laughs> That they do not care. Like, they're just like, let's get to the goblins. We Come gotta on. Get to the labyrinth, guys. It's in the yeah. movie. Yeah, you're not here for a theater kid moping in her bedroom. Let's get to a labyrinth. <laughs> really hates her stepmom, despite her being just a regular, like, person who's trying her best. Like, Sarah is so whiny at the beginning of this movie. Yes. And, and her stepmom is so self-aware when she's like, she just assumes that I'm an evil stepmother. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's exactly does. what's happening. Yeah. She sees herself as a fairy tale character and you're a stepmother. That's you're an evil stepmother. That she doesn't like you. Like, 
Yeah. Again, like the whole thing in two lines. <laughs> they tried for like a hot second to make her like mean to the dog, but not even that mean to the dog. Like, no. <laughs> go through the garage rather than through our very nice house. You're ve- a wet, soggy dog. Like, I think there's a lot to show that Sarah is projecting a lot onto her life and her scenario more than there actually is. Like, you know, she's really engrossed in this play that she's reading. She she's very melodramatic at the beginning, but it 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 came across as her just being disjointed from reality more so than her being you know, maybe a little bit frustrated with the world and, and projecting a little bit upon it. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. not sure if any of that read as relevant to the rest of the story. <laughs> like it felt like a different, like kind of two different characters. Like I, yeah. I, either character, I would have been happy to follow through an entire movie, but if they were not in an entire movie, like I don't mind following weird theater kid. Who's like kind of disconnected from reality and like is really kind of bitchy and probably uh, like PMSing for the first time. Like I don't mind following that character if you let her be kind of an asshole in the labyrinth. But then as soon as she gets there, she's just like very clever and resourceful and nice to everyone. So yeah, she's so nice to everyone, <laughs> even Hoggle, who's peeing in a stream. <laughs> yeah, even Hoggle, who's a real piece of shit. This Hoggle guy. Oh, Hoggle can get fucked. I hate him so much. <laughs> he does betray her a number of times. <laughs> he, yeah, and he's not sorry. No. If if someone betrays you multiple times and like never claims to be your friend, should you keep trusting them? Like, is that on her a little bit, right? Yeah. Like I wrote numerous times in my notes that uh, I wrote, let's see, Hoggle can get fucked. Hoggle can eat shit. <laughs> um, but also, uh, now to contradict myself, I actually think he doesn't have a bad arc. Like I think he kind oh, of, okay. in a way, has the arc that maybe Jennifer Connelly should have had, which is starting <laughs> with... I'm kind of an asshole. I'm not friends with anyone. I'm not helping anyone. And then does end up like, and, and ends up kind of actually digging into that a bit, like, like having a moment of falling backwards into cowardice, but comes out at the end as, as helpful. And yet, despite him having possibly the clearest arc in the movie, they gave him the worst Muppet to, to play him. <laughs> he has the deadest eyes I've ever seen. At the time, it was quite impressive. Do you think Hoggle was supposed to be the protagonist? From story structure, that would almost make more sense. It does, doesn't it? He has a bit of a hero's journey. And then maybe Jim Henson got that note. He's like, I guess I'll throw someone else in. And then Hoggle still have the journey. But yeah, he got the note. Maybe he just got the note like uh, this Muppet is haunting our dreams. This Muppet is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Please put it in the movie list. I think most of the effects actually did hold up. Hold up. I was impressed by that, actually. Other than the green screen, I think most of the effects, oh. because they were practical effects and Muppets, they're, most they're, of them looked pretty good to me. And that's also the, the plus of, of Dark Crystal, which if you're if you don't like uh, uh, light uh, plots and and arcs not really feeling complete do not watch dark crystal <laughs> but if you want more really creative visuals and puppetry taken to the the height of its power uh both this and dark crystal are like stuff like the helping hands when she's like falling down yeah the they head. were pretty cool so cool. like the two door knockers i really like the guy with the the bird on his head like all these characters <laughs> that just are just like how did they how did they do that and lots Huggle. of like um, cool physical like like cool visual trickery like the the yeah. the like the um wall that appears to be one Huggle. solid wall but then is like yeah yeah like stuff like that is very cool 
and and Hulk, like if if I may defend Hoggle for a brief moment, you may try. Well, well, now he he does have those dead eyes and and really doesn't stare in the right direction. When he's turning around. It, it's it's remarkable that like they couldn't do a CG character at this point, of course. No. And, and so the way they did it was that there's I think two different puppeteers controlling the face features, remote control wise, both his eyes and his mouth. And then there is the small performer inside the Hoggle costume with this huge mechanical head around his head trying to perform and not being able to really see what he's looking at. So even though it's one of those things where I'm like, it didn't work. I applaud your gumption. (laughs) You tried something. It didn't work, but I, you still, you swung for the fences. Yeah. I kind of feel the same towards everyone involved with Hoggle as I feel towards Jim Henson. I want the best for you. You seem really nice. I want you to have everything you desire. You did. It didn't work. Didn't work, but you know that's that's how that's how progress is made. Sometimes you make a hoggle, sometimes yeah. you don't. Yeah, sometimes you make a golem, and sometimes you make a jar jar. Like yeah, things happen. Exactly yeah. Well, if we think about golem, though, golem is still like almost twenty years later, or ten, fifteen. How, how much later would that be? Because that's like early two thousands. Yeah, so like almost 80s. twenty years. But jar jar beat him. Jar jar was the one who broke the ice. Okay, he sure was. <laughs> Do we applaud Jar Jar's performance either? I don't know I about I, that. I, I give I give props to Jar Jar, but we're not here to defend Ahmed Best and his performance. <laughs> oh, Ahmed Best! I got a trivia question about him like two weeks ago, and I was very <laughs> pleased. Um, but yeah, that's the the weird thing is there are so many puppets that look quite good in the movie, so that's why I wasn't. I think that I'm pretty good at like when I'm watching a movie with older special effects at sort of gauging what level we're at and like not right. as not comparing them to today's, yeah. but he just seemed like less kind of lively than a lot of the other puppets. Like, like Hoggle is the lower tier in this movie of puppets. I will agree to that. <laughs> and yet the biggest <laughs> character. So it's a weird casting, I guess, because yeah. like, he gets the most yeah. time. Uh, I think my favorite is, I think his name is Bluto. Ludo. Or- Ludo, Ludo, I love. I Ludo. liked Ludo. I, my boyfriend did not like him. He kept. <laughs> I think just to hurt my feelings. I like if you want to see something really great. There's a uh, uh, footage of Ludo meeting the Queen during <gasps> the premiere. Oh uh, really? Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and the poor actor trying to trying to bow in the Ludo costume to the Queen. <laughs> I think good. I think Muppets should get a, a pass from having to bow to the Queen. It's yeah, it's logistically difficult. They shouldn't have to do it. It's true. I think yeah. One of my favorite things was just like his nonchalance of like, we have a new problem. We can't get this bridge is broken. We can't get across. And him just being like, rocks are friends and something <laughs> rocks. Yeah, that, was like, that makes sense. Yeah, rocks are friends. Sure. Just yeah, this weird character who can control rocks. <laughs> like okay, sure. You think this big thing would be like I'm a strong guy, but his big thing is I howl and rocks roll and I can control rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's actually there is. If I may say something, I, I quite liked about the movie is I like how little it explained everything, and I do. I don't mean that uh, sarcastically. I do think a lot of times, like fantasy movies that fail will get really just caught up in ex- like the ones that have like connection between the real world and fantasy world will get really caught up in like trying to explain like how this connection to the goblin world happened and yeah. um and i like that this one it is, is just like with explaining no <laughs> no it's just like uh like all of a sudden we're cutting away to shots of goblins yeah. 
and there's goblins here. That's the Goblin King. Cool. We don't explain how he got here. It's him. He's here. She knows who it is. Explain why he does not look like a goblin, but he is the Goblin King. Yeah, that doesn't. She calls him that. It's him. We know. He can turn into an owl. Now, if I if I is he the owl? He's the owl. I did not get that. Sorry. Excuse me while my mind is blown for a second. Maybe maybe on your fifth watch you'll get it. But at uh, the end of the movie, I was like, "Hey, they never explained the owls." He's the owl. I was like, "The owl is just a cool motif." Is it just because owls look cool? Is just that was my thought. It 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 does kind of remind me of I'm talking like classical fairy tales that operate on their own logic, Uh, and I think that's what Jim Henson was. He wanted to make a new fairy tale. And despite it not holding together structurally as a modern film, I think that's kind of my the appeal that I have where I watch it. And I know I by this point, I know what I'm getting into. And I, I just want to be swept away by this total lack of uh, coherency between uh, scene to scene and between things they introduce. And it, it, when you come away from it, it is almost dreamlike because there there's no connective tissue. So it in in its way why I asked why you were sick when you watched it it is one of my favorite sick day movies where I was just like I don't want to really think I just want to be swept away by the dulcet tones of David Bowie and see weird weird things happening yeah and if you fall asleep for five minutes and you come back and it's a cool part it's fine it doesn't matter (laughs) I think there's um so a theory I have is that um is is with movies like this that it really your interest in it depends on um, how interested you are in the sort of competence of stage uh, of production design and puppet design. And I think that everyone has like elements of just sort of like film design or film comp like an area of competence that if that thing is good they will watch the movie like you know there's people that if sure. the dance in a dance movie is good they will watch the movie even if the plot is bad. That is why people defend cats. Exactly. Like, I will watch a bad movie that has great musical numbers in it and be, like, totally satisfied. I feel like this movie is for people who are just like, oh, puppets. puppets like, I love yeah. I love Definitely. it. And that's, I think, not me, but I also don't begrudge because there's a lot of bad movies I like because there's a great tap number in them or there's a really good, like, fun duet in them definitely niche yeah yeah it's not it's like it feels like there's they think you're so that you love the puppets so much and if you do then i feel like like that ending shot is great with all the puppets coming back you're like yes the puppets are back they're the reason <laughs> i'm here and for me i was like why like why are the puppets back yeah i think i was tr- i'm normally someone who very much focuses on like the plot that's what gets me into a story like okay what's the, what's the story here and i kept on trying to do like the english student thing of like all right so what are the major themes what is mm-hmm. what is the pov of this film and all that stuff and every time i kept on being like i don't i don't think it holds over from one moment to the next i'm like oh there's a new theme there's a new each each fairy tale has a different moral and each scene is a different fairy tale along the way and then at the end they're like it's it's weird conflicting messages at the end where it's like there's that scene in the garbage dump where she's like letting go of all her material possessions and be like this stuff doesn't matter and then at the end when she's back in her house uh she sees all the creatures she met and it's like you don't have to get rid of us it's like wait are you saying get rid of your stuff or are you saying don't get rid of childish things. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, the the movie doesn't know where it comes down on childhood. 
No. All right. So I think I th- I'm again. I was spending the whole time trying to sort out these messages. So I think the message was. Waste of time. <laughs> yeah. I think my thought on it, and it might be a waste, was the idea of uh, our childish things, material things, have no value, but our imagination and those relationships that we build, even with imaginary characters, do have value. Thus, it is okay to reminisce and feel childish occasionally, even though we must move into our adult lives to occasionally pull back and spend time with our imaginary friends is okay and even healthy, though we must also learn to grow up and not see the world through the childish lens that all the time. the best I, feel, I think we can get. I feel <laughs> like that's very generous towards the movie. I look forward to your TED Talk. I would have to do a whole one, I think, to make it all work, but it's... It no, that, too many points I of mean, evidence. There is, there is some straws being grasped at, but I think that is probably the best message that you can with what was presented. Yeah. yeah and then again, if you go through it, then there's stuff like uh, things aren't what they seem comes up a lot, but it's not reflected in that main theme again. But it's just also like, like the theme of like, you know, watch out for sexual predators. <laughs> I'm not sure that's emphasized enough. I, I think, think that's so. extra textual. <laughs> So we, we've been talking 24 minutes and we've hardly talked about this movie selling point david bowie he's not that good i was really oh. surprised i was I, expecting I him you, to be amazing were you expecting him to be more david bowie than he is in his cod piece and sparkles here's what i think i was <laughs> expecting and stay with me here for a second is the other this is a weird comparison, but the if I'm to think of another kind of nonsense movie that I like because it's sort of like bright and sparkly and cool looking, that would be Rocky Horror Picture Show. That also has like sure. almost no plot. I'm also in it for weird performances and weird production design. And that has at its center an amazing performance by Tim Curry, like an amazing weird performance. Mm-hmm. And so I think somehow I had slotted this movie into the similar, like, I don't think like uh, uh, Tim Curry and David Bowie fans are like not a Venn diagram. Like there's, they're both weird dudes, um, kind of gender bending dudes. So I think in my head, I thought this was going to be like that kind of like weird, energetic, really magnetic performance. And I, and I kind of found him a bit flat. I don't think I put that blame on Bowie though. I think it's in the plot. Cause again, in Rocky horror, like Tim Curry is the central figure of that story. Like yeah, everything revolves around him. Jareth is basically a human MacGuffin slash villain, right? Like we have to get to Jareth to defeat him by saying words. <laughs> he's the one who steals the baby. Did, he didn't steal it though. She said, take it. And then he did. And then he said, no takes backs. I guess. Okay. Yeah, semantics, <laughs> but he still has the baby. Yes. He the has baby. the baby. Yeah. And he, he, he kind of throws the occasional wrench in her way, but mostly he just, he's the thing she has to get to. To get the baby back. Yeah. Yeah, and he and occasionally so he pop- pops up to be like, haha, I'll make it slightly more difficult. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But he's not really central to the story other than being that goal. It mostly revolves around Sarah and Hoggle, right? Like <laughs> the ones who get the most yeah. screen time. Yeah. So like those are the performances I guess we would have to focus on. If if it was gonna be a performance based film, they're the ones who get the most time to like flesh out their characters or, or do things with it i just kept thinking of like but he does have scenes where i think he's he's quite like low energy and like i 
I kind of had this assumption that they like that they, they cast him and they were like, oh, David Bowie's going to be such like a weird, cool villain and he's going to come in and really make this role his own. And then he showed up on set was one day and was just like, hi, guys, I'm David Bowie. Um, I'm really excited to take on this role um, and uh, can't wait to see what the other actors are going to do. And they were like, oh, no, there aren't other actors. <laughs> I think he he always has a natural weirdness to me, but like I think it's a low yeah it's it's a lower key weirdness as opposed to Tim Curry who is a big character weirdness. Yeah, that might have been like stairs. David Bowie isn't really high energy. I wouldn't put that on him. He's not manic in any way uh, in any of his personas. So I don't know. He's he's intense. Yeah, yeah. I I I I respectfully disagree. I think everything with David Bowie is bunch of fun all of his lines are just dripping with some sort of magic <laughs> i wish that his lines that i found his lines dripping with anything i found them, i just was like they felt like dry toast <laughs> to me like i i don't know what i was expecting but i was expecting something okay. other than what we got so, so we disagree on this can we both agree that dance magic dance slaps because that song oh, is yes. awesome. Um, uh, we'll just I'll, I'll, no oh comment. <laughs> you broke him. You broke him. I'm sorry. I found one the use of music in this movie so weird. Like every time, like they just I kept forgetting that there was musical numbers in this, and then one would pop up, and I'd be like, Ugh. and I found, and they came up in the weirdest places where they felt like they like stopped the the energy in the story and then we're just like also my close captioning couldn't figure out the lyrics i certainly couldn't tell what anyone was saying i don't know i just was like what why is this here oh i could definitely agree that you could cut every musical number out and it would not affect what little story is left and it wouldn't be labyrinth (laughs) no it wouldn't like I like those songs. I think they're fun. I don't. Yeah, they they don't make sense where they are. They just they are popped in because like right, we have Bowie. I guess we'll throw some Bowie songs in. At least I have respect for the weird body horror number with the pink Muppets who were from Nightmares. My favorite. What is (laughs) that? At least like I I okay. To be fair, I did hate it, but I had a feeling about it. I was like revulsed. And horrified while watching that, and kept screaming, "What is happening?" But right. I, but I during dance magic, I think I went and refilled my popcorn. Like I was like, oh my okay. no. <laughs> "I'm sorry, I, I like musical numbers. I'm a musical person. I don't." I was just like, mm. "The body horror characters were called the Fireys, and I, yeah. I, I could not decide during that music number if they were supposed to be good guys or bad guys. They, what? they, they more showed them at the very end, end when they tried to take more than anything else. You could take them out and not lose anything. <laughs> <laughs> True, but they made an impression. They were terrifying. This movie is for children. Yeah, I believe they eat their eyes and pop their eyes back into their heads. And yeah, and sometimes they combine to form one like six-legged creature and then yeah. break apart halfway through running across the screen. Jesus Christ. It was like the human centipede. It was horrifying. <laughs> and she does rip off their heads and throws them, which, yeah, which even respect. they make clear is that that is not allowed. That's you probably- can't throw other people's heads only your own head that's yeah. probably why they didn't cut it because they had so much fun with just the the modular puppets yeah i think that yeah. a lot of puppets were in this movie because they're like hey we thought of a cool idea for puppets yeah where can we put it? all right i think we need to spend a little bit time talking about just the wish element of this just because that's oh, yeah. supposed to be what this podcast is about yes, yes, yes. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so the only like wish part is at the start, she does wish that the Goblin King would come and take her brother Toby away and never take him back and then changes her mind basically right away. Right and away. he's like, no takesy backsies. <laughs> and you have to say the words exactly. You have to phrase oh, it right. in the exact right way. That was or kind of funny, the, like the 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 goblins just like, oh my god, she's not saying it. She's not saying the exact right words. Which, where, where did that rule come from? Because the exact right words, it seems like it's a story she made up. Yeah. I think that the play is one she wrote herself, which confuses me later when she can't remember the own words no, to it's it. Like in a, it looks like it's in a published like volume, I assume. I, I kept trying to see what the title of it was, but I assume it's an existing play. I assume it's Labyrinth. Yeah, because the story is not an existing story. I just I maybe I'm wrong. Um, probably am. So the wish, it's, I mean, okay, why she wishes for Toby to be taken away is that she got stuck on babysitting duty, and Toby is crying because Toby is a baby. Yeah, yeah, that all seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah, and she's like kind of an asshole to him. She's a huge asshole to a child, a baby, a little yeah. infant. <laughs> I kept just like because it goes on for a bit. Like as much as that first section of the movie does clip along, like the amount of time she is talking to a crying baby without comforting it. Like I'm not a baby person, <laughs> but that was troubling. Like I was upset. Yeah. She also didn't do any of the like check the diaper, check the food, check the lights. Like she's just like, oh, this oh, baby's crying. Horrible. I need to yell she's at it. Horrible. <laughs> They probably should have hired a real babysitter, right? Yeah, like, probably. She doesn't seem very good at their house. Seems pretty nice. I did kind of respect, like again, I kind of respected that they made her an asshole early in the movie. Like I almost wish again that they'd stuck with that for more of what like Hoggle's arc ended up being, because at least there's somewhere to go from there. There's somewhere to go from she's really a really self centered theater kid who like has doesn't like her half brother. That's at least something i guess the problem would be is like why would she go into the labyrinth if she didn't immediately change her mind That's <laughs> yeah. the it's like the plot kind of dictates that she has to instantly regret it but i can't think of another like movie wish or wish in pop culture where somebody instantly regrets the wish <laughs> as yeah. soon as they do it um that to me didn't even ring like I don't know. I think you can have it kind of both ways because there's a difference between just being a self-centered kid and wanting your literally your baby brother to be taken away from you by goblins who presumably will eat it or raise it. Is Jareth, uh, was he a stolen baby? That's a thing I wondered. There is a um, a, a, a manga <laughs> labyrinth oh, yeah. people that goes into Jareth's lore. I've never read it. It seems a little bit too far for me. So well. <laughs> I'm so glad that was the answer to the question. I, I think the understanding was that if if he stayed long enough, then Toby would turn into a goblin, and mm. he's the Goblin King, so mm-hmm. he'd get to rule over Toby. That's why they had to get there by midnight. Was if yeah. they didn't get there by midnight, Toby would turn into a goblin that Jareth would have power over. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I th- I think you can have the her being an asshole at first, then feeling bad about like wishing her brother would get stolen because I think you, you know, you can be an asshole to your siblings, but you don't want them to be kidnapped. I, I, and, and, and still have that be part of the words. Exactly though. (laughs) She 
she was mulling it over and then she's like no i'm gonna go through the official channels proper <laughs> forms and now that i've done all this paperwork oh i regret it i'm sorry oh no. how many times oh. did i say to my sister i hope you die i didn't really want her to die but i said it to her I right hope in the that eye. the Goblin King comes out of my window and kidnaps you in this specific order. You say, "Oh, I hope I wish you die." She says, not- "I hope yeah. a Goblin King who has been who was an owl will yeah. be David Bowie comes spirits you two, away." There's two magical glass balls that he uh, rotates in front of my face. <laughs> the glass balls <laughs> were kind of cool, but also felt like that douchey guy at the club who's just like, "Look what I can do." <laughs> yeah, that's how you become Goblin King. You're the king of the douchey, douchey guys. Yeah, okay. I think it would have been nice if she regretted it for like a second. Like if they had worked that in, that like the crying stops and she goes like, "Oh, that's so nice." Mm-hmm. Just for oh wait, did I did I just sell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I just sell my brother or to the she, slavery to a goblin king? If Ooh. she regrets it immediately because she thinks she's just going to get in trouble, like with her parents. I don't know if that's enough of a, a motivation. I just feel like... Yeah, if they, if they had made some sort of threat for her, yeah, and then she could learn yeah. the value along the way. Yeah, like she doesn't get to be in her school play or something if she if if she doesn't keep babysitting for him or, or, what, or something like that. Like, now, I don't know. I don't know if this is per, per your new format, Maddox, <laughs> but what would be a better wish that would have achieved what she wanted, but also wouldn't have her go through a labyrinth to get her brother back. Like what would be a better wish for her to make? Uh, I wish this babe would go to sleep would be a really easier way to do it for one. Or I wish I never had to babysit again. I wish my, my parents hired a babysitter would be a very reasonable and very useful way to get around it. I wish my parents hired a goblin King babysitter. I wish, I wish David Bowie was my babysitter. That could have probably solved out everyone's problems if they, if she just wished that Jareth would babysit Toby, then he wouldn't turn into a goblin because he wouldn't be in his production, mm-hmm. but they would get to hang out and they did seem to enjoy hanging out together. Mm-hmm. Like they had fun during dance, magic da- dance. Bob- bobble dance party. Where he threw a baby in the air. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That I was not okay with. I caught it though. I was, he caught it. It's fine. Yeah. He's very good at catching babies. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, like, if they just I still had... can't get over the fact that you don't like dance magic dance. I'm sorry, I wanted to. Me of the babe, the babe with the power, the power. Of what does that mean? Why is babe? it there? It doesn't mean the anything. Babe. It just cycles. Why is it, it there? cycles really well, and it's fun to say. It's fun to say. It's really it fun to say. Sounds good coming out of his lips. Yeah. I've already forgotten that song. I, this is so surprised. Like I, I find why God and Cult Sass is has all these like memorable quotes, and none of them stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think the the uh, what makes a cult classic a cult classic is like some people have to not like it. That is true. That so is true. you're welcome for preserving the legacy of this movie. There, there are two. If if I might just self indulge for a moment, two David yeah. Bowie lines that I always love. Which is, uh, I'll make you a prince, prince of the land of stench, <laughs> um, and also him going nothing, nothing, tra la la. It's like what is this? <laughs> nothing, tra la la. It's so I don't even know what the purpose of that was. <laughs> so good though. Can I say some? Uh, why don't I say some things I like about the movie? Because I also don't sure. want to be all negative. Yeah, let's, um, let's end it on a positive note. Uh, I think we are about to wrap up, so let's okay. say the last yeah. positive note. I'll throw out a couple things. Uh, Merlin the dog, 
my favorite character. Oh yeah. Um, right. I actually do think the the scene where the baby get does get kidnapped is actually legitimately spooky and atmospheric. Like where she comes back into the room and you keep seeing like goblins move around behind oh, her, just out of out, uh, out of sight. Yeah. Yeah, where she keep she keeps not seeing them, but you can see them. I is it like uh, is super effective. And um, and also, oh, the the bit where Ludo is hopping over the rocks in the bog of eternal stench, and they just there's fart noises. <laughs> really got me. That just there tickled me go. just right. Yeah, like there's lots of li- like. Here's the thing. I I think moments like that. Uh, the, like the fart bog do make me see why people like this movie which is if you're charmed by each individual creative thing then you're charmed by the whole movie but that's such a nebulous nebulous thing like a story i think you can construct in a way that will be at least pleasing or logical to most people like a three-act mm-hmm. kind of screenplay and this you're really they really were counting on people being charmed by every new puppet and every new moment and every new set piece and that's a big risk so i again applaud them for that i just wasn't one of the people that was i guess charmed by enough of them right. yeah so i don't think you're ever going to watch this again probably doesn't feel like you're a Probably big fan. Not. I don't know if I'll ever watch it in its entirety again, but I think I might put it on in the background at a bar silently, just as a cool thing to look at, or yeah. I might watch specific scenes again. It would be good to have on some scenes. at a party because it is such a what the fuck is this? It's like putting on a Godzilla movie or something. Just like it's it's things in the background. Yeah, every time yeah, you, I think you, it's you look at the screen, that. you're like, ah, oh, something something's happening. That's weird. And yeah, there's got to be someone at the party who hasn't seen it who keeps on going, what what is happening? Yeah, exactly. Someone explained this, and then someone tries to explain it, and it doesn't help. But the explanation is really funny it. because it's so weird. All right. I don't know how to end this format because this format is different. Uh, do you guys want to say any pluggables before we head off? Tell the audience where to find you? Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, I want to give people a recommendation if they did watch this movie and liked it. Sure. Uh, go on to watch uh, a little known Jim Henson project that I feel doesn't get enough recognition, which is The Storyteller. This is what he partnered up with HBO after this to do a bunch of short episodes essentially of pretty forgotten fairy tales like brothers Grimm stories like hans my hedgehog and and lesser known fairy tales that are dark and weird and twisted and very much have the same kind of aesthetic as labyrinth so if if you want maybe something weird like this but isn't a full movie length then i would suggest checking that out cool yeah i've never heard of that so I'll look it up. Uh, I guess I'll plug my actual things now. That I, now that I'm done plugging Jim, <laughs> no, he needs, he needs help. He needs uh, it. We love him. We love him. So I, I do a couple of projects uh, on the side. Uh, I have a couple of podcasts. One is Geeks versus Nerds. We're celebrating our tenth anniversary uh, this month, so that's exciting. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned uh, uh, Tim Curry in. Uh, uh, I almost said Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. Horror. Yeah, Uh, because we did a debate of Doctor Frankenfurter versus Jareth the Goblin King, (gasps) which should be coming out. When should it be coming out? In a couple of months. It's a little bit. um, Maybe I'd say two months. It'll be there. But it's it's please remind me of that link. Yeah, send me that link, and I'll post it to my folks. The topic that they're excited for that. The topic that they're arguing about is who is the most effective catalyst of one's sexual awakening. 
<laughs> that is a, that is a tough one because I can totally see that if you saw this, uh, uh, Jared, at a certain age, that it's that's very it, formidable for in your brain forever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's a comedy debate show. Just to back it up a little bit for people really unfamiliar, it's a comedy debate show where we take pop culture icons and debate them on stage. A couple ones that were released recently were like John Wick versus The Bride. Uh, Black Panther versus Aragorn, Brand of Tarth versus Mulan, Princess Zelda versus Princess Leia. So a lot of fun stuff. And the other podcast I do is more recent called Boozing and Bonding, where me and my friend Keegan Flick Parker get drunk and watch every James Bond film and then try to recap it. It's awesome. I (laughs) love this podcast. It's so much fun. What about you, Grace? Um, Actually, why don't I plug something by somebody else as well? And maybe that will become the format for the end of the show. And then I'll plug my own stuff. Um, I just am almost... This is a show that has been over for like a couple years, so I'm behind. But I just almost finished watching The Leftovers. And I really, speaking of things that are like weird and don't explain everything, um, that show does that. It's like Lindelof, so from from Lost and Watchmen. And I think it's a really, if you've watched Lost and you've watched Watchmen, The Leftovers is a really interesting middle ground where you sort of see him get used to like the balance of mystery and answers, like how much he can, how much mystery he can present um, and versus how many answers he has to give to not make people like so angry at him. And you can (laughs) see him, I really think he hit the balance well in Watchmen and you can see him like all, like so close to hitting it in Leftovers, but it's still like he hits it enough that it's satisfying. And Carrie Coon just gives like an amazing performance in it and it's a really neat show. And also if you're feeling like just watching kind of apocalyptic things right now, which I am, that's a good, it's a good watch and it's all on Crave, I believe. I've never Um, heard of that. That sounds really cool. Oh yeah, it's the, um, I I should say what it's about for anyone who hasn't, it's the um, 2% of humanity just disappears without any reason. And um, they just one day, 2% of humanity is gone. And it's just like a really neat uh, show to ex- like explore um, the humans needing reasons for things. And they're not always being reasons for things. So it's a good show. And okay, for my things, I mean, a lot of my stuff I'd normally plug are, are live. So they're not happening anymore. <laughs> but um, I, I tweet a lot. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at graceectomy, which is G-R-A-C-E-C-T-O-M-Y. And um, I also have a web series called Things with Cats that um, now that I'm home with my cats, I'm updating more. So if you search (laughs) for that on YouTube, uh, more episodes will be coming soon. All right. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. And I'll put the more plugs of my own stuff in the back at the end. I'll do a wrap up with my own voiceover. Uh, do you want us that's to do everything. a couple takes of us just going, oh, man, that sounds really good. So you can kind of. Wow, like, that's really great, Maddox. Oh, Maddox, that sounds so cool. To see, hear or listen or, or watch or, or experience that in some capacity. You've gone too long. It sounds patronizing. Damn. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what we came up with, but we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook, and you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at BreakAWish.ca. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Hello, everyone. This is Chris Locke. Thank you for allowing me to drip into your ears like some sort of sentient syrup goo from Mars. This is an invasion. I'm here to promote my new podcast, Happy Good, with Chris Locke. Subscribe to it now because it will make you feel good. It's about forgetting all the craziness, the nonsense, the stress, and we relax together and laugh. It's a silly stream of consciousness guided meditation to make you feel good, and it's on Sonar Network. Listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts or on Sonar Network, but subscribe and come along with me because it will be fun. Thank you. Hi, I'm Erin Pym, the host and producer of the Bedpost Podcast. My show is a sex and sexuality podcast that features a new guest every week, from sex workers to sex educators to everyday people whose experiences with sex and sexuality can be just as enlightening, shocking, and hilarious. Find the Bedpost Podcast on iTunes and follow our social media starting with bedpost.ca. I'll be waiting.